When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 580! 397! All right, it is that time again here on Purple Daily. And trust me, once camp begins. Hot route's not going away. We Thank might you. move it around a little bit in terms of time. I want players hot on. Hot routes will not be disappearing. That's I want good. Vikings yeah. participating in hot routes. We at definitely times. will need guest pickers. We should of get. Hot routes. You know, we should get a quarterback in here to actually yell out real hot routes. That would be great, Sean Mannion. I bet Sean would do it. I've heard that he is like <laughs> media friendly. Yeah, no, he's great. All right, and he's you know he's an NFL or Judd's best friend Kyle Sloter. Yeah, I mean Judd, you Kyle Sloter. What a great kid! Hold on a second, I'll Instagram him right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, wow. Cue it um, up. <laughs> get the uh, NFL music going, Jonathan, and we are ready to roll. Okay, first here's where I want to begin. I don't have a theme for today unless you guys have one that you want to throw at me. Okay, no, uh, I got nothing for you. First hot route of the day. It's Monday. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Excuse me, pronounce it correctly. Mar- it's Marquez. Marquez. Marquez Valdez Scantling has been working with one Randy Moss this offseason. Now, plays for the Packers. He's working with Randy Moss at two Randy. <laughs> I love that phrase. Are you guys okay with Randy Moss working with a Packers wide receiver? Are fans going to accept Randy Moss, the guy who went to Green Bay and mooned them, and you guys hated Joe Buck for his entire life because he mooned Green Bay, and now he's working with a Green Bay wide receiver? Everybody okay with this? I'm fine with it. Outrage. I don't care one way or the other because I'm not a fan. I can understand why fans would be all up in arms about this. My question is, how much is Randy making? I bet I hope he make is making a killing for being someone's personal receivers coach. If Randy's getting his money, it's from the kid, right? I'm fine. It's yeah. not the Packers paying him. It's the no, kid paying no, him. it's it's just individual workouts. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe A. A. Ron is picking up the bill. He might be. I mean, heck, he's like he's just get me anybody who can catch a ball. You know what I think. I say, good for you, Randy, until the Minnesota Vikings do the right thing, and that's not your cute little ring of honor 
That's retire your jersey 84. They should not do that. I'm wor- they, they absolutely should. I'm fine I'm, with it, Judd. I'm, I'm wor- with you. I'm working with everybody. I'm working with Bears. I'm working with Packers. I'm working with Lions. Oh, my. Retire the guy's <laughs> number, and then I'll consider not working with your division. <laughs> okay. I love it. I have no issues with this. If he, I assume he's getting paid money to do this. If he is... Make your money, Randy. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. He didn't play his entire career as a Viking, so he doesn't really have an obligation to be loyal to this franchise. He played with other teams, so it doesn't really matter. Okay, so my real view on this is like, do whatever you want. I mean, it's fine. Like you haven't right. played in a really long time. You're a legend. Anyone who comes and asks and brings their wallet, you should be willing to work with them. But if I'm a Vikings fan. I've, and and Marquez Valdez Scantling jumps over Trey Wayans and mosses him in the end zone. I'm gonna be like, what the hell, Moss? Like we traded to bring you back. Like let it go. We put you in the Ring of Honor. They cut him in less Why than a month. Why are you doing this? Say, they traded to bring him back and then got rid of him shortly head, after. Head coach couldn't handle him. No. I, I thought. Go, Randy. Go. I thought the bygones had been the bygone, and now here we are, Randy Moss. Going behind the Vikings back and working with Marquez, man, retire the number. Get your money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't care at all. But but I definitely think that if he does something awesome, that there will be Vikings fans who are like, "Thanks, Randy. Thanks for all of your help this season. Why don't you work with Treadwell? Will they burn their (laughs) Moss jerseys?" Is, that's passe now, right? People don't do that anymore. Uh, I, I think a lot of people still do. Do it. they? Yeah. I thought they kind of stopped doing that because it's so stupid. When Kevin Durant left uh, Oklahoma City, that was a huge thing. Oh, all right. People are people love burning money. Okay. Next on the list here, uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor says that he's confident in the team's offensive line despite Jonah Williams being out for the year. I'm sure he's full of it, of course, but uh, I want you guys to give me the position group for the Vikings that you are the most confident in heading into training camp. Where yep. does your confidence lie? You're gonna you're gonna have questions about it, but I, in terms of a depth perspective and the numbers game, I am fine with where the defensive line stands right now. Okay, I don't I don't have. I thought you were gonna say offensive line and just no. troll. Heck, well, that would have been a great response. Thought, um, no, I'm fine with where the defensive line stands now. right now. They've got. About they usually keep between eight and nine. Have your rotation. You know, I would stress probably going of the higher number there. Keep nine guys, but they've you know beyond your four starters, you're looking at Stephen Weatherly. You're looking at Jaleel Johnson. You're looking at Afadio Denebo. You have a lot of you know, Jalen Holmes. We have no clue what the heck he's going to do this year because we didn't see him last year as a rookie. And you know. I'm okay at that position because I think that regardless of what happens, if Everson Griffin, you know, can make it through a 16 game season, you still have depth behind him at Stephen Weatherly. With the three technique position, Shamar Stefan comes in. They're probably going to make a rotation there. I'm okay with that. I'm okay, I'm fine with it. I confident. Uh, I'm going probably with what by this time point in time with the Vikings is a cliche, but I do believe it. Cornerback. Mm-hmm. If you go to a restaurant, you get the best dish, right? If Zim had a restaurant. You'd get the cornerback dish. He has a he has a unique skill and ability to to seemingly get the most from that position group, and that does not mean that they're always perfect. But they never look completely lost. I think Rhodes actually might bounce back a bit, so I'm going to stick with what uh, Mike Zimmer's best at coaching cornerbacks. That was my answer. It's it's exactly for the reasons Judd mentioned. He's best at coaching it, and they've got depth there. I'm going to go with wide receiver, and I will tell you why. I thought of that one. Because 
Uh, the study that I did on Gary Kubiak, okay, I didn't do it. Another website did it. But I wrote about what the website found. And uh, Did you it, credit him? It disco- I did, of course. Okay, you didn't say Matthew Collar's research? No, no, of course I did. Um, but I discovered through Google search and this study on Kubiak's offense that the number three wide receiver just isn't super, super important. The tight ends are going to be the ones who get a lot of the action. And then when you have two players who are top 20 at their position in the NFL, and every time PFF, they did another one today, they did an article about the best receivers versus man press coverage and the best receivers versus off coverage. Mm-hmm. Thielen's best versus off. Uh, Diggs' is best versus press. or They're both in the top ten. I mean, these two players are really incredible. And I feel great at any position where I feel like I have two of the absolute best in the NFL. So I'm going to go wide receiver. And even though it is at the top of my most interesting stories to watch list for the wide receiver three, it probably won't make that big of a difference. I don't blame you because I think that when we talk about depth, what team has three dynamic wide receivers, one, two, and three? Well, I mean, if they traded for Antonio Brown, but I've let it go. Okay, well, that was that was a pipe dream. Now you're trying to trade for Melvin Gordon, so let's... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you're, you're just predicting catastrophic events happening, uh-huh. so that's the only way you're going to get your that dream my team job. It is your job. He's taking my job. Why are you taking my you're job? You're too busy covering the Twins. That's a good point. Wow. So A lot of good going on there, too. But yeah, no, I mean, there's... I think there's total reason to believe that they will be just fine at the wide receiver position, regardless of what happens with, you know, who's in contention for that number three. I mean, there's no sexy name in there that really makes you think, wow, they could really open things up here. Chad Beebe, whoa. Dylan Mitchell, whoa. Laquan Treadwell, no. Like, I mean, there's, I think, I think it's a good position to be confident in because they know they're fine at the top, the top of that group. All right. Next question. DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson have really been pushing via Instagram and Twitter that he can run routes. So they've been showing all these videos of him running routes. And boy, those air defenders are getting torched by DK Metcalf. Uh, he didn't drop to the second round for no reason, I'm sure. But whatever. I'm sure DK will be the perfect route runner when he gets into actual NFL games. Here's what I want you guys to give me. Because Metcalf has the potential to be one of those freak athletes who just cannot really football that good. Give me your favorite one of those who is an impressive peer athlete, but not good at football. And, and Jonathan, since everyone always uses your answers first, I'll let you go first on this one. I'm going to go Mord's Boringer here. <laughs> that dude drafted sixth round, 6'4", 225, 4'4", 40-yard dash, 39-inch vertical, 10-foot, 11-inch broad jump. That dude had... Pro day stats that would blow your mind, but he just couldn't could play, play actual football. football. Yep. He could play it on the German YouTube, but couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it in real NFL play. <laughs> no, he could not. I forgot about the German YouTube. Some some naughty stuff on that German YouTube. <laughs> just some real naughty stuff. It, I, I'm so glad it happened, though. Like I'm so oh, glad fun. that they got Moritz Bowringer. It was definitely fun. Okay, Jed, do you want me to go? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a guy who actually has not had a terrible career, but there was so much more there because of his athletic ability being off the charts. Cordell Patterson. Yeah, Cordell Patterson is a phenomenal athlete. When you can get drafted in the first round, and it turns out that you basically can't run a route, that's saying <laughs> something. So Cordell Patterson, who is still who will. Who is still a gifted athlete, but my gosh, talk about not doing the football as well as you should have done the football. Mm-hmm. Cordell. Courtney? 
Jamarcus Russell's an f- easy one, right? Sure, yeah. Total yeah. freak in yep. college. Could like be at like the 50-yard line Huge on his man. knees and throw the ball into the end zone. But then, yeah, he made up. You guys heard the story about like when he was at the Raiders, right? About how he like lied about the play yep. film that yes. DeFilippo gave him, and it was like a blank disc. But man, I mean, he could throw it over those mountains. Man, he could throw it. <laughs> and I guess uh, recently he blamed uh, Tom Cable, his oh, receivers, course, yeah. uh-huh, yeah. uh, all this other stuff for why As he failed do. in the NFL. Uh, but damn, that guy was an athlete. His at drink LSU. too was what? Purple drink. Purple drink. Yeah. Purple drink. He's yeah. not an addict. He's not. He's purple drinks really good. Okay, we should move on. I threatening uh, <laughs> dangerously. Want some? <laughs> I got a glass full of right here. I'm going to go with a, uh, a minor league baseball player, and that is Tim Tebow. Yeah. That well, the, sure. the brief run of Tim Tebow was really entertaining. I'll put it that way. I don't know if I want to quite say fun, but it was just nonstop Tebow. And this is where internet sites began, like, screen grabbing ESPN and then cutting up all the times they said Tebow in an hour and it would be like <laughs> 750. This could technically feed into your next hot route. That was, uh, I don't even know what my next hot route is. So that was, that's really fun. And when you look up the all-time great athletes at quarterback, relative athletic scores takes the combine performance and then puts it in to a formula. You've got your Cam Newton. I've mentioned the Josh McCown thing before. You've got your Marcus Mariota. Right there is Tim Tebow, one of the top athletes ever to play the quarterback position and was not good. Okay, next hot route. Uh, ESPN, yes, that's right. Speaking of Tim Tebow, they've hired Ryan Leaf as a college football analyst. Ryan has really gotten his life together here. One time uh, was on the old 1500 ESPN, Ryan Leaf. Has straightened himself out big time. Good for him. Uh, I believe they also have Andre Ware and Tebow. So Mm -hmm. it's like this all-NFL bust club. Who is the best radio or TV analyst in football who is a bad NFL player? Jesse Palmer. That's an easy one. I think he's very, very good. Isn't he on Good Morning America now, too? He's got the look. And he started on The Bachelor, He started right? on The Bachelor. I mean, <laughs> you have to be a bust if you go on The Bachelor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Athlete <laughs> You're a joke. Like, or well, Aaron Rodgers' brother. Was, well, it, was well, it Aaron Rodgers' there was brother? The, yes. There was the IndyCar driver, Airy, not Airy Lewandyke, Airy something or another. Yeah, that's right, he was it? a terrible driver. He was like last row every time. Yep. Uh, Jesse Palmer, I think he did that after. He was he was drafted by the, in the uh, fourth round in 2001 and also subsequently drafted by the CFL. Do you guys remember that same year? No. Yeah. And I forgot he was a fourth round draft pick. Yep. He, uh, I, I have his numbers here. He went 0-3 as a starter with a 58 quarterback rating and was amazingly sacked 16 times in three games. Yep. That was with the Giants. How does that even happen? Giants? Yeah, You're not aware of things, Matthew. That's how it happens. Um, 16 times. You're you're not aware of the pressure, Matthew. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I I think that that's... Exactly. Like every other drop. But he's a really, really good college football analyst. I love watching him. uh, He doesn't do Game of the Week, but he'll do some of the bigger games. He's really, really good. All right. I actually went to a guy who had a brief tryout with the Cowboys in 1987 for this, and he's now been in the Fox booth for a long time, and I think he's good. Charles Davis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Complete washout quickly, but smart enough to say, I'm not that good. So he was cut by the Cowboys very quickly in 87, and then immediately, I believe, began the transition to becoming a good broadcaster. So Charles Davis, I don't think, ever played in a regular season NFL game, but he definitely played in college at Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, then he understood that he was not going to have a long career and got out of the business. You know where he's good is every time that I have not traveled to a Vikings game and I watch it back here with you guys, 
I am amazed at how dialed into the Vikings he is because he's you know he's doing a different game every Absolutely. week. Absolutely, yep. And he's the one where as a as a reporter, you know everything that's going on. So you'll listen to the analysts, and sometimes you'll go like, oh, I mean, you guys, the, well, you guys got fed this storyline this really week. You guys really try, or aren't you related to Rick Spielman? Uh, <laughs> you know, like, right? So, um, but with Charles Davis, he is usually on the money mm-hmm. with his analysis and thoughts throughout the game. Yeah, that was, I, I looked it up. He didn't play an NFL game because that was my pick as, to, as well, Charles Davis. He's always... He's always energetic and always insightful, and he's been able to do not just pro football, but he's also did college football for a little bit as well. So he's got the diversity in the ability to do different games. So I am going to go with Andre Ware. I know that I mentioned him already, but Andre Ware was one of the worst NFL quarterbacks in history. He was a truck fire. And he's a solid college football analyst. He had to stop here, didn't he? He's not a star. Yeah, he did. Yep, he was a Vikings backer. He never got in the game, though. Okay. But imagine this happening today with Mm -hmm. an NFL quarterback who was drafted seventh overall. He only started six games in his career. He he was taken seventh overall? He was taken seventh overall. I don't remember that. And he started six career games. What year was he taken? He was taken in 1990. Okay. And he threw five touchdowns, eight picks. And that was his career. A 63 quarterback rate. That's it for Andre Ware. And he's talked about all the time as one of the biggest busts ever. But that is truly amazing and a very solid college football analyst. And every time he comes up, I think, Andre Ware, I had your football card in 1990. All right. Uh, <laughs> and he thinks, darn, was I a boss. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> I mean, that'd be, I'd, I'd love to talk about that with Andre Ware of like why didn't you get any other chances past age 25 usually they do unless it's like Jamarcus Russell like, with the drugs Herbstreit did not play pro ball did he did, did he No get a I thought cup about of that but he I don't believe he did He might have gotten a training camp invite or something okay. but he's Ohio State was their quarterback yep. I think All right uh, Tony Romo won the American Century Championship good for him he outdueled the likes of Case Keenum and Adam Thielen who both uh, pulled off top 10 finishes Good job, fellas. I won't make any jokes. Would have loved to heard the conversation between those two on the golf course. (laughs) I want you guys. I love your case. I want you guys to make up your football foursome. Three current players or coaches you would like to play eighteen holes with. All right, they don't have to be. Can I have one that's like just out of the league or somebody who probably isn't going to sign? Why not? I'm doing the same. There are no rules. So I had a conversation with (laughs) Kyle Rudolph about this last year at the Vikings golf tournament because I know he plays a ton of golf. He was just playing in a pro am in uh, Lake Tahoe. So Kyle's definitely on my team. Uh, I asked him, I was like, who's the best golfer you ever played around? Because he used to play with Michael Floyd all the time. And Michael Floyd is a very, very good golfer. Mm. Uh, He's like, Sam Bradford, without question, that he is—he's mm. got like a—he's got a scratch handy. He's a scratch golfer, so I bet he would know what a handicap is. Um, and he's uh, <laughs> just a phenomenal talent, good at everything. Like that, he's—he's he's the annoying kid in high school who's like good at every single sport. So I guess one day he just picked up golf clubs and decided to be good at that too. Wasn't he like good at hockey too? It was—it was, it was a really good. Yeah, sport. He, loved he was, hockey. Hockey, he was yeah. a three-sport athlete in high school. Yeah. So I'm going Sam Bradford, Kyle Rudolph. Larry Fitzgerald Jr. All right. I am going... I am not going for good golfers. I know. I'm surprised that she went that way. I'm going for... I want to win. I'm a competitor. Oh, I'm not. I'm going for an entertaining day on the links with tons of alcohol. 
Because okay. I want these guys drunk to tell me stories. You should get Latavius in there because he is the worst golfer I've ever been around in my life. I'm actually going with three coaches. Okay. I'm not even going with players. Mike Zimmer, Brad Childress, who's now reemployed by the Chicago Bears, and Cliff Kingsbury. Because as mm. the alcohol flows more and more, Zim and Chili are going to start to pick on Cliff. And it's going to be marvelous as they deconstruct boy wonder genius who got a job after getting fired in college. So it's going to start with great stories and great fun. And around 9 or 10, it's going to turn nasty. And all of it's going to be fantastic. I couldn't wait. Who are you riding with? If this is two carts, who's going where? I want to know where you are at in the middle of this. Uh, I'm I'm with Zim, and I'm putting... Chili and Kingsbury together. Okay. But I do think that ultimately they, they would turn on Cliff and it would be glorious. I have Kingsbury in mind, but only because I only really wanted one guy in my foursome, and that's Sean McVay, because if you get picked with Sean McVay, you automatically <laughs> oh, get so an NFL head coach. Head coach. Yeah. So sure, I'll take the nice pay bump there to become an NFL coach just by golfing with the man. Right? That's how it works. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That, that's a way to go for this, for sure. Um, so my, the, it rounded out Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, Matt LaFleur, because all three of those guys are connected. All right, so I went with Frank Reich because I grew up in Buffalo, the comeback game. You just want to talk to him about like I, yes, old I NFL do. films that I you do. watched probably like last yeah, night. That's okay. I, that's I, want, I want Frank Reich to tell me all the stories of the 90s Bills. You know I what? think that I that, don't, that would be amazing. I think that's awesome, yes. I want... Andy Reid, because I want to learn about offensive football, and he is a genius, but also seems like a pretty chill guy. He wears uh, Hawaiian shirts all the time. That's right. That means that he's a good guy. Yeah. I guess so. And relaxed. Is that what that means? Yeah, absolutely. That he's relaxed, maybe. And then I want Aaron Rodgers, because I want to talk to Aaron Rodgers about Mike McCarthy and everything that went down. And also, I think Aaron Rodgers on the golf course... If he were talking with those other guys about football, would be really amazing to hear them talk about offensive football with Frank Reich and with uh, Andy Reid. That's what I'm going with. So you guys are all going to try to pick up some knowledge, learn a thing yeah, or two yeah, about yeah. the West Coast win. football. I'm not picking Andy Reid. I just to want win. stories. You want? Stories. I want drunken stories. I, I want to pick Josh McCown, but I don't he's, care if uh, I learn a thing. Now. I watched you crush a ball. 280 feet last week. Yards. Yards. Excuse me. And I would like to watch. Sam Bradford double that. I don't think Sam Bradford can but double Sam that. But Sam Bradford, wouldn't he be so boring you'd fall asleep? Yeah. Well, I'd actually try to get I tried to get him to blink. Yeah, exactly. I think you'd be like, I really regret this I, for I, some of golfers. So I did think about like who could we wreck the course with? Like Zeke Elliott, Cam Newton, and Ben Roethlisberger or something would just like tear up the course. Gronk would be fun. Gronk was out of the league. But yeah. Just barely. And Baker Mayfield. He might not be for long. Baker Mayfield. So playing catch with Tom Brady. So boys. you're getting the people who have the speaker uh, when they're golfing. Like they're they're not super strict. They've got like a like music they're playing. They're yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you want fun? Oh, of course I want fun. I mean, which I, is why I picked Sam Bradford. Actually, I don't want Roethlisberger because he might get us thrown off the course for hitting on a uh, yeah. I don't girl think who drives by in the beer truck. I don't think Ben's a great guy. I think that's probably accurate. Okay, we won't go with him. Jalen Ramsey, uh, just we'll be the trash talkers. He said he's not trash doing the tra- the quarterback thing anymore. Know, he's he's a changed man. Yeah, do you? Bl- I don't buy that for one second. By the way, that's boring. That like is that. Uh, that is your hot routes for the day. It was a good group. They were scintillating, is what I said on Twitter. Judd, you got to go prep for a conversation with Ryan Saunders. Yes, I do. Will you please ask him if they'll if he will. Fulfill the promise of coaching their uh, pickup league team. Uh, rec league. Rec thank league. You. Oh, for Danny and uh, yeah. Matthew. 
He did say he I'll would try, do it, yes. but I don't know if that's really going to happen. The first thing that he has to do is put in a petition to the NBA to get the Wolves transferred to the Eastern Conference. That's my platform for today. <laughs> okay. You've got to get out of the Western they Conference. They really do. They and have no chance. Think about it. Bucks, Bulls, Wolves. Nets, the division, maybe, maybe. The division makes perfect sense, though, right? Oh, if you're just talking, I'm talking, talking about, about geographical sure. assignment. It makes sense. Sure. Transfer the Timberwolves to the Eastern Conference. That's what the Central League, Central Division, Central Division. I think that's correct. Yeah. Close was, enough. They change them all the time. Yeah, I don't really care anymore. Hey, but no, I mean the Eastern Conference is that's wide open. I still. know it is. You can contend in the Western Conference. You're going to win about 32 games. Judd, do you think he's thought about this yet? I don't think so, and that's why I'm going to inform okay. him of this. You guys, done. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Football, I got to go. Bye. Show football. Oh, sorry. I only have another Cronin's week. To, a big basketball person. I am. I only have another week to act up before we get I, into serious football serious, talk. So please let me be a fool on this show if I want to be. <laughs> Speaking of which, so we got into this a little earlier, and now we're going to have more. Uh, we'll call it calamity, Cronin. Uh, in case of emergency, how would the Vikings handle certain emergencies that could come up in training? Check out Minnesota Sports Rewind, where Score North goes back in time and Deves dive. Wow, I did it again. Dives deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins Tigers game 163, Twins and A's from the 2002 ALDS, Kevin Love's 30 and 30 game, and Kevin Garnett's dominating game seven against Sacramento. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind on ScoreNorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. Here's two and now with a third down and seven. Looks towards the end zone. Got it. Touchdown, Alabama. In the corner of the end zone along the far side, Irv Smith, the tight end. He has become a favorite target for Tua. And Irv Smith, 12 yards on the touchdown. And Bama pads the lead to 27-7. to Got to tell you a secret, Courtney. Sure. I was, uh, was grinding some tape over the weekend. Oh. Oh, yeah. Were you grinding college tape of current Vikings rookies? Not exactly. Okay, I was. That, we would have had to talk about that. Grinding some tape of another team that I think has laid out the blueprint for how the Vikings should use Irv Smith, but I don't want to tell you yet because it's a big, a big article I'm working on. All right. So I'm, I'm eager to read that because I think the Vikings need to learn how to use Irv Smith and I figuring know. out now that they brought Kyle Rudolph back. There's another team that's very creative with their bigger personnel that I started watching back and found a bunch of things that I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings do with Irv Smith. So that's on uh, scorenorth.com after I write it. I haven't written it yet. And since I'm going to PFF offices for the next couple of days, I'm not sure when I'll write it, but it'll be out there. Anyway, so uh, we got talking a little bit earlier about what the Vikings would do if Delvin Cook did get hurt this year in training camp because you're right this every time someone gets hurt and it's how do you react after last year the vikings did not react when nick easton got hurt and we all sat here and said uh, you should probably do something about that and they didn't and it really cost them with tom compton being asked to start 16 games he had never been asked to do that before and it hurt the vikings on the interior of their offensive line so with delvin my thing would be trade for someone, go all in, because whatever, you're all in already. So why not? Who cares about positional value? Get someone who you know is going to be really good. Um, and you were against that idea, and then we went from there. So if you missed that, then you can go back and listen to the show on iTunes or whatever. Now here's the other one. 
the quarterback position is fascinating for this. Kirk Cousins is incredibly uh, reliable when it comes to playing all 16 games. He's always stayed healthy during his career. We saw an impressive amount of toughness from him last year. But you just never know when some ACL or, you know, whatever, Achilles or anything. He's been sacked a lot. So with uh, Kirk, what do you think the plan would be? Even if he was going to go down for a couple of weeks to start the season, would the plan be to play Sean Mannion? What would the plan be? Uh, I I just think to to force it with with somebody that's already tied up so much of your salary cap for this year and for next year. I mean, unless it was a catastrophic season-ending injury where you knew you weren't going to have him on the roster for the rest of this season and that you weren't sure how he was going to come back in 2020, I could see you forcing a trade there, trying to get somebody if you really don't think Sean Mannion can handle the load. But at that point, it's probably over, right? Like, I mean, if, if Kirk were to get hurt, I mean, that's... We talk about this backup quarterback competition, but do you really think any of those backups could carry you the way that Case Keenum did, which was a total anomaly in 2017? No, but I never thought Case Keenum could either. Because I didn't either, but I just don't think you could ever Keenum. hedge... I just don't think you can hedge your bets thinking, okay, mm. well, Case did it. Somebody else can do it. Right, the only thing that I like there with Mannion is that when he was in L.A., he's kind of... he's. He's already more familiar with the terms and the terminology and just kind of the overall system that Gary Kubiak is building here because I had an interesting conversation with him during mini camp. It was like the second day, just about some of those similarities and stuff that he saw that Kirk saw in them melding this whole thing together um, that system wise, he'll be fine. And I think most quarterbacks are, but it's the execution element. He's played an entire season, so at least he has that under his belt. I mean, Case did, too. Case had been a number of different stops and played a lot of games. Um, But I just think that at this point, no team can be willing to think that that's ever going to happen. That's that's lightning in a bottle, if you want to if you want to call it that. I just. Who who's out there right now? Can you think of any really good backups that if Kirk were to go down from something that would keep him out for a very long time? Um, I'm not talking three or four games. I'm talking about something that's like this is the end of the season for him. Who would you trade for? I think the answer might be Case Keenum, but I don't know how you would afford it. I mean, Keenum has a pretty decent sized cap well, hit, seven point five million dollar cap hit. I don't think that they could afford it. But I'm looking up and down the list of all the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And I don't see an obvious answer. The Sam Bradford thing was really kind of out of nowhere that they had drafted Carson Wentz and then he was on the market and they were able to go pick him up. Can I ask a question really quick? When that happened, you were covering the team. I was not. Did you, was Sam Bradford a name that came up immediately? How long did it take for, because it was about a week until they signed him. Um, How long did that take for Mm. his name to surface into the conversation? Or were they looking at other options? Like who, who was the, I mean, besides Sean Hill, which they realized absolutely not. um, Who was the contingency plan for 16? This is a good question. Uh, Let me look at this. Um, Because I don't remember, I don't remember Sam Bradford being talked about necessarily as like this guy is definitely the one you're going to trade for but he was also known to be on the block so it wasn't the most stunning thing ever when they traded for him it was just like okay wow so colin kaepernick actually his name was out there because i think at the time he had that injury he had the shoulder injury and he was not the starter yet yes gabbert was the starter in san francisco so there was that uh people were bringing up uh, mike vick was another guy was he, that, was he in the league at that point? So he wasn't. He was a free agent, and Adrian Peterson had wanted him to be 
the guy, Mark Sanchez, mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson had wanted Mike Vick, and they were like, yeah, no. Uh, Josh McCown. They could have gotten Christian Ponder back. Yeah, oh yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, no one wanted that. Geno Smith was another one who was talked about quite a bit. Geno Smith. So I feel like he's always talked about if there's an injury. A lot of unspectacular names were thrown about before they ended up getting Sam Bradford. But the a couple of articles that I pulled up here did not have Bradford listed. So I would say it was a little bit of a surprise. Okay. Um, I think Case Keenum is the only guy who is in a position where the Washington football squad could start Dwayne Haskins, and then they just have no use other than a backup for Case Keenum, and they would be willing to trade him. Oh, I've got the answer. Ryan Tannehill for the Tennessee Titans. If, um, let's see, if Cousins got hurt, the other answer might be Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's what, that was who I was going to say. So there's a couple options, but that's about it. But yeah, it's nothing spectacular. What, what's your record with any one of those guys? Tannehill's probably the best on that list. Keenum might be able to get you to 9-7 and seven with this team. Fitzpatrick is just always going to be Fitzpatrick. Tyrod Taylor you for the Chargers? You, you love moving Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Somehow you always bring him to the Vikings every single year. I mean, last year I know that last year I, I had him uh, as one of the guys that they could get as a backup instead of, or this year, instead of Sean Mannion. And last year we were talking about the potential of trading for Tyrod Taylor instead of Kirk Cousins. Now, those are interesting scenarios to run through of what if they had gotten Tyrod Taylor instead of Kirk Cousins because they have a lot of similarities to some of their shortcomings. Well, their cap situation would be a lot better off, but it, it that's would. they probably would have gone eight seven and one or something. It would have been. I think it would have been very similar, if not worse. All right, other disaster potential scenarios. Well, you have to always consider the offensive line, right? Absolutely, that's where I was going to go next. And that's where, when we take a look at the starting five, or at least what we project as starting five from left to right, Reef. Elfline, Bradbury, Klein, O'Neill. I think you're okay for right now. Like the depth now from where it was a year ago at this time is so much better. Think oh yes. Drew Sam- totally agree. Like I would not be surprised to see Drew Samaya take a, a make a big jump if he is asked to, you know, if he has to fill in on an interior spot. Wait, let's he's- clear this up right now before camp. Samia or Samaya? I think it's Samaya. I thought it was Samia. Let's ask him mm. next week. All right, I'm- we'll solve this. That was Samia. Samia. No, I think you are right. I think it's it Samia. Yep. Um, anyways, the depth that you have there. You never figured out B Rob. Aviant Collins, mm-hmm. Drew Samia. Um, in, uh, who else am I forgetting here? Danny Isadora. They signed the guy, they Dakota Dozier. Dakota Dozier. From the Jets. Yep. I mean, you have guys who have been on NFL rosters before. Um, and even at your tackle spots, which I think are a little shakier, uh, I mean, Rashad Hill is still a viable swingman option. That might be where he taps out and, best. Yeah, and uh, Collins can play and tackle. And Collins can also. play tackle. I'm more confident there that there wouldn't be any sort of catastrophic thing that they couldn't overcome. Like 2016, losing both your tackles is that's that you couldn't overcome that. Um, but I will say, we saw what happened during the offseason. We saw what happened last year. I mean, it's very hard. People, teams don't have an abundance of offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So when you bring up the Nick Easton situation, I remember thinking back to it last year, being like, man, go out and sign somebody. Get a body in here. Who has play offensive linemen that they can just go mm-hmm. ahead and like give up? I mean, 
the options at that point were um, pretty slim, and I believe that Richie Incognito was about the only one that was just sitting there on the market, um, just waiting to be picked up by somebody, and the Vikings said hell no to that. So it's not as easy as, oh, a player goes down at certain positions to just say, okay, well, we can we can build depth off this. We'll just find somebody off the street. It's not that easy. And Twitter always wants to trade Laquan Treadwell for a starting guard, but that doesn't really happen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely <laughs> the value, positional value there does not equate. Uh, no, th- so they've done a much better job, for sure, in drafting Samia and Collins coming back healthy. The, the position that I think would be the toughest would, again, be left guard, because who's going to fill that spot effectively? But I also think about the right tackle spot, that the expectations for Brian O'Neill for this year after what he showed last year should be really high. And if you were to lose him and have to start Collins or Rashad Hill the whole year, I think you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. I think the interior, even though we focused on it so much because the right and left guard were very poor, if you're talking about what matters the most toward winning, it's the tackles. It's whether your tackles can keep the edge rushers from getting into the into the quarterback and causing strip sacks and pressures from the outside. That's where it's making the most impact. And Reef did not play very well from pass blocking perspective last season. And even though O'Neal didn't give up a sack, he gave up a ton of pressures too, mm-hmm. which is part the quarterback sitting in the pocket in the same spot. In part in being moving. a rookie, right? Part learning. I mean, not to come a twenty pounds starter until he, he was what week six. Yep. Yeah. And he just needed to put on more strength and weight. If he were to go down, though, Rashad Hill for a full season would be just as much of a concern as Tom Compton was last year. The tackle spots, if you're looking at the offensive line, are the biggest question marks because there's nobody behind Reef and O'Neal. Nobody that you could really trust to be like, okay, we can get 16 games or however many games Mm -hmm. out of this person. I think that you'd end up running into a revolving door situation. Maybe some weeks Aviant Collins is starting at the tackle position. Maybe it's Rashad Hill. Aviant. Aviant. No, that was one of the most exciting things from last year's camp was figuring out whether it was Aviant or Aviante Collins. Or Avian. This is or that's right. Avi it was Avian week one of preseason and then it was Aviante and then it went to Aviant. Yeah. And then I remember I think Zim was like, that's why I call him A C. Like just keep it like that. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. The Atlanta Falcons made a big move today, keeping one of their guys, but the Houston Texans uh, were not able to come to an agreement with Jadavion Clowney. We will discuss when we come back. And also, a buddy of yours at ESPN said he is blank. 345 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. This download brought to you by MyPillow. One thing you can listen to on the app on our app that you can download is myself and Dan Terhar this Saturday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and Rail Salt Lake. Pre-game at 8.30 p.m. Kickoff at 9 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. If you're wondering what that sounds like when they get a 1-0 win off a key penalty save by the goalkeeper Vito Monone, here's what it sounds like. Ziegler just poised, waiting. Waiting for the whistle. Ziegler approaches, Ziegler shot, saved by Vino! Manone with the save! Are you kidding me? Oh my word! The win this weekend for Minnesota kept them in fourth place in the West, and they are now just two points behind Seattle Sounders in second place. So it's an exciting time for the Loons. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. 
Thank you, Jonathan. All right, a couple minutes left here. Ryan Saunders coming up on Mackie and Judd with Rami. That is at 420. And uh, tomorrow, Danny Cunningham will be in. And also, we're going to have a guy named Mark Schofield who wrote an article on Kirk Cousins that I want to discuss. Very good article. Yeah, I want to talk with him tomorrow. That would be cool. And you will be on assignment, we'll call it. People will eventually find out where you were and what you're reporting on. And that will be exciting as well. All right, so uh, Jadavion Clowney does not sign a long-term contract extension. The deadline to sign extensions for players on the franchise tag has gone by. Uh, uh, Grady Jarrett did sign a big extension, so he's going to be on the field with the Atlanta Falcons against the Minnesota Vikings week one. But the Clowney situation is really interesting because it's got a weird wrinkle to it. Yeah, Adam Schefter had a tweet earlier um, that said... The NFL NFLPA is anticipated to file a grievance against the Texans because it's the position that was assigned to Clowney um, for the franchise tag. So they're going to franchise him as a defensive end slash linebacker, and certainly he's playing in a 3-4 scheme there, so you've got to take that into consideration. Um, and so they listed him. So the linebacker tag carries uh, a value that's $1.698 million lower than it would with the defensive end tag. So... Jadavian Clowney was very smart not to agree to sign the tag, not to agree to work out a long-term deal. You don't see him. He doesn't. He's not showing up until week one, in my opinion. I don't think this is a situation that's going to get resolved anytime soon. Could he be another guy that sits out the entire season like Le'Veon Bell did? I don't know. I don't know. I think that you look at positional value, and I mean, a guy like Jadavion, too, has been up and down and up and down. I mean, he's never been like this consistent, like, oh, you must pay this guy. I think just from the Texans' perspective, too, um, you know, they've got a bunch of stars on this roster that are kind of just there on the cusp of being really, really great. So it's to his benefit to play, but you look at why Grady Jarrett just got what he did and what he signed, and he probably deserves more than Jadavion Clowney on this deal, don't you think? Clowney is an interesting case because last year he finally kind of got to another threshold, and somebody, I think it might have actually been our friend Brandon Thorne, did a Twitter thread of Jadavion Clowney from last season. And just looking at some of his PFF grades, it matches up with what Brandon found is that they moved him around a lot. This mm-hmm. is the issue with the defensive tackle or defensive end versus. It's really only um, an issue in three, four linebackers. defenses. Right. Yeah. Because if you have an outside linebacker who you're asking to rush the passer, I mean, they might want. It's, it's a perfect example of with Anthony Barr and the market that he was able to command going to a three, four defense with the Jets where mm-hmm. he would have been making far more than he's going to make in Minnesota. Because if you're asked to rush the passer a lot more, you're going to get a higher salary. So Clowney has gotten better and better as he's gone along. They used him all over the place. He had a good number of sacks last season and was one of the best run defenders in the NFL. I could see why he would not want to be thought of as a linebacker, but sort of a defensive playmaker. And I think this is going to be an issue more and more as we go along for lots of different players. And Anthony Barr is a pure linebacker right now. If there's any change to his position, then what is he really? And we were talking about this with running backs and wide receivers and and what is Christian McCaffrey really if he catches a hundred passes and lines up half the time in the slot half the time in the backfield is he really a running back or do they just want him to be thought of that way so they don't have to pay him as much yeah I think he's really a playmaker that's gonna if, if it hasn't already started 
that's going to be the next big thing as franchise tags happen um, in the years coming. Like, what do you classify somebody who you put in the slot for, you know, 30% of his snaps every single game or you're having him catch passes out of the backfield? That's a wide receiver. Might be a small wide receiver. It might be a wide receiver that also runs the ball because you're lining him up um, in the backfield behind the quarterback. But that's I'm surprised that we haven't seen that type of thing yet. But then again, a lot of teams don't really franchise use the franchise tag all that wildly on wide receivers and on um, running backs to begin with, especially these caliber of players. I mean, the, what the Dolphins did it with Jarvis Landry. They did the tag and trade. Like, what other example can you think of? Yeah, if you're at the Texans, this goes under the category of just pay the man. He's one of your better players, and with Houston, they're a fascinating team because they have four or five really, really good players, and then everyone else is just, who are these guys? Yeah, It's not like they have a deep roster of all good players. They have a really good quarterback, a really good wide receiver, and two, two really, really good, good players defensive on defense. Linemen. Yeah, actually, and no, that's your three. team. Throw, throw Benardrick McKinney in there too. I think yeah. he's yeah. Okay. So there's five, but no, it, it's it, it's a good example because it I feel like we're talking like last week still. It still relates to the Melvin Gordon thing. If you have somebody who is a critical part of your team, a key asset, makes the offense run, makes the defense run, you should pay him because it's not easily that easily replaceable, regardless of how you value and the type of positional value you put on these guys. Um, last thing for the show today. Dan Graziano of ESPN, your cohort, wrote his bold predictions for the next three seasons in the NFL because why not? Because it it's July 15th. July 15th. Um, I can't wait till things get really exciting. I mean, I, I like going through all these lists and scenarios and everything else, but next week, seven days from now, we're going to be on a practice field. That's yeah. That's pretty so, serious. Yeah, eight days from now. Uh, Graziano wrote that he is, quote, bullish on the Vikings and on Kirk Cousins this year and thinks that he will earn himself a contract extension. I don't know what to make of that. Well, the thing that I make of that blog, uh, the little block of text that I read there is that Vikings fans will be, at this time next year, he said Vikings fans will be quite happy with Kirk Cousins mm. because of what he does this season. That's assuming that everything the Vikings did to set him up for success is going to translate to wins and that it's going to translate to making Kurt go to this quote unquote next level. I don't think you can just say it's automatically going to happen. There's going to be elements of his game. Maybe it's third down and long. Maybe it's in the red zone that he can improve upon because of play calling and scheme fit and other things that are going to be used to help him there. But can you really anticipate that timing, pocket presence, things like that are all of a sudden going to change for somebody who's been in the NFL now going on eight seasons? I don't think so. I don't think Kirk Cousins is changing at all. It's just the performances of everyone else around him, especially the guy calling the plays that could make or break. Last year, the guy calling the plays really struggled. I'm not even sure that Filippo was bad at game planning. I think he was bad at calling plays. I don't think people realize how difficult it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm great at it on Madden, but... I'm not sure that uh, that's how but, everyone does I mean, it. <laughs> I wonder, too. I mean, when, when we look at why, why Graz says he's bullish on the Vikings, I mean, is it that confident in the play calling of Kevin Stefanski? Is it being that confident that Gary Kubiak's overlooking everything? I mean, he's talking about Kirk here, but what about the pieces around Kirk? That's where I kind of have a little bit of pause because we had such a small sample size of what a Kevin Stefanski offense looks like last year. And now we really don't know. I mean, kind of just how those game day responsibilities we think we know, but we really don't have any idea what that's going to look like on Sundays. I think if you're making that argument that Cousins is going to be a lot better, then that's the entire thing that you're buying into. 
is that everything else around him is now going to be better this season, which, I mean, you can make somewhat of a case for that. But the Vikings are one of those teams, and with Cousins, the type of player, that if I'm making predictions, it probably is bold to say that. Right, it, like if you're if you're saying which predictions are very likely to come true versus which ones you have to go out on a limb a little bit, I think to oh, guarantee yeah. an extension you've got to go out on a limb a bit. Oh, for sure, because it's not happening as we produ- we talked about and predicted ourselves in this show. Not happening unless they get to the playoffs and win a game. Ryan Saunders will be on Mackie and Judd with Rami in about twenty minutes or so. Make sure you keep it here to Score North. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0.00. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.